All right, what's up, podcast listeners? Stuart Anderson here. Buckle up. This episode is so good with uh, Plan 7 coaches Dave and Brianne. So grateful for the time they spent with me. Thankful for Plan 7. They have done so much for me. Dwelle over the last year is such a great partnership and friendship with them. Not only do they do stuff for us, but what they do in the bicycle community here in Utah is incredible. Uh, At the outset of this podcast, I wanted to mention that all Plan 7 services are available to to me, Dwell A Riders, at a 20% discount if you mention this podcast uh, when you connect with Dave and Brianne. So huge uh, discount and uh, so grateful for them making this team uh, uh, better riders. So you're going to hear from Dave and you're going to hear from Brianne on both training and nutrition, especially when it comes into long events. That's what we focus on here, uh, kind of like wrapping up the season as we go into Lodija some nutritional um, advice on long days to help that stomach from being so upset and then how to prepare for those long days. There is a lot of good stuff in here uh, that we hope you enjoy. We're going to bring them back again. Uh, So much to discuss. They are just awesome coaches and awesome people. So all my thanks to them. Hopefully you enjoy this episode and uh, that's it. All right. Take care. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Stuart here. Here I am alone with Plan Seven. <laughs> Here I'll start with this. Brienne is welcome back. As a, uh, our, we have not had a, a guest back. Only Dave Sharp has been on twice. Welcome back. We're grateful to have you back. Let will me. you inter- will you introduce uh, Dave for us? That would be wonderful. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm the same. Nothing's changed. I'm still Brienne, and I'm a dietitian. <laughs> and I love bikes. This is Dave. He is was my coach (laughs) moving into my career cycling and he is the best coach around if you haven't met him um he really knows his stuff i like could go on and on about all of his accolades and accomplishments and awesomeness but he's on top of it all of the races he's won and stuff he is an incredible bike fitter and i call him the bike magician uh, so if you haven't had your bike fit, give us a call and we'll get you in. But um, gosh, maybe I'm not as good at introductions as I thought. <laughs> I just, I'll just like say he's very handsome. He looks great on a bike. He knows his handsome. stuff. He knows his stuff. I'll leave it. What about nine consecutive years as the Utah Crit Series champion? How about that? That did happen. That <laughs> happened. That's it's pretty been, awesome. It's been quite a few years since the last one. but Yeah. Uh, and, um, you won it as 45 plus in 2014, was the champion there. And then what about the Frog Hollow Endurance Malcolm Bay race? Record holder for the six hour, like solo, solo winner on that course. How cool is that? That was a good one. That was a good <laughs> one. That That's probably one of the experiences that uh, uh, gave me AFib. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Perfect. <laughs> there's there's a couple others, and that might be interesting to talk about. I yeah. didn't really think about that, but that could be an interesting one to like talk about when we're talking about training and effort. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that has come up a few times with our older um, Midwelly riders. Um, so that is good. Well, uh, Brianna and Dave run Plan Seven Coaching. Um, yesterday I picked up one of your riders on the side of the road. Uh, Kevin was had flats right next to my work and was waiting for his Uber 
And so I put his bike in the back of my truck and drove him home. Nice uh, but, you. but you guys have seen, everybody's seen the plan, uh, the beautiful plan seven kits and you guys are illustrious with coaching many of our teammates and a lot of the great racers here in the state of Utah. So uh, congratulations on your awesome business and awesome company that you built. So you do so much even just for Utah cycling. So thank you from all of us for your influence and example. So oh, thanks. It takes thanks. a lot of work. Beautiful daughter. If you haven't, if you haven't followed Dave's uh, cycle adventures with his daughter on his, on his bike, it's worth it. It's worth a follow. So just to watch how cute it is. <laughs> Man, that girl is watching, watch out. If we're on the trajectory for some nice. <laughs> early bike rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll probably start to see us up on the trails uh, before too long. Fun. We're getting some mellow practice, but now she's like, standing up and doing no hands and oh boy all right oh boy. i need to speed this up a little bit so that she feels like she needs to hang on nice. <laughs> well we thought it'd be fun to talk about today um race day nutrition or all things nutrition that we didn't cover last time as well as this is always kind of an interesting time of year as we like are wrapping up uh, races moving into Lodija, like how should I be training? What should we be doing? That's kind of all the talk now is, uh, I'm tired. Should I train more? Should I go on a longer ride? What should I be doing intervals today? Doug was doing intervals. Should I be doing it? Uh, so it's everybody, uh, is kind of like watching each other and wondering what's the best use of time. Uh, so that's kind of where we're going to go today, which I think is awesome. Um, and maybe we can start there, Dave. I mean, everybody is talking about these last four or five weeks ramping into that big race. Um, what have you seen the most effective riders, racers do at this time of year? Sure. Um, so, you know, when people are really focused on one big event and they might be plugging in some others along the way versus a rider who just has a series of events throughout the year and then they top it off with with mm. a one like Lodija. Um, traditionally that's kind of been the wrap up of the road season and right. so you know it really depends on on the person and how they've structured their training for the year uh, you know if I'm starting or have returned to work with people year after year um, we have a conversation about like what reality is of time that they can spend training. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes that's a, that's a pipe dream. Other times people will commit the time. And I know like your crew, you guys have done like 50 miles by seven fifteen AM and then it's <laughs> off to the rest of your day. I'm sure you've yeah. got to go to bed at like eight 30, but um seven <laughs> it, it it really uh it really is dependent on where people are at and we get to this time of year and it's it becomes a really critical point especially if the training has been ramping up and the volume and the intensity have been ramping up and then we hit uh you know mid-august and we're like three weeks to go, four weeks to go. And what do I do? How do I, how do I put this together? And you mentioned, you know, I'm really tired. Should I do a long ride? 
Um, probably not. <laughs> um, you know, we want to allocate those long rides for when we feel pretty solid. And, you know, the way you structure your week, um, like, for example, a lot of folks, their long rides happen Saturday or Sunday or a combination. And so, uh, you know, you can't roll out 15 to 18 hour weeks week after week with kind of a stagnant structure, you know, like a long ride on Wednesday and then a big ride on Saturday. And then you're trying to do intervals in between and, and you end up like do your Saturday ride and you're really disappointed because it was super hard. You didn't feel great. You went really slow up the climbs. Your mileage isn't as good as those long rides back in June for the same effort and so uh there's tons of smoke in the air it's 105 degrees there's a lot of things to take into consideration yeah <laughs> yeah so and and so it really becomes that individual situation of if you've been ramping up and you're in august you're within four weeks of the event and you're feeling worked over it's probably a good time to back it off and whether you back it off for a day and then you feel great again or whether it's like, wow, I haven't taken a active recovery week for ever. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, get out on your mountain bike and spin it around, take it easy. Um, you know, take an extra day off, do some active recovery, like just small chain ring riding. Um, what about um, just to pretend to be someone asking what week out, let's say the goal is September 11 this year, what's the best week for active recovery to kind of let the body reset and how much do you build after that? Probably, yeah, that active recovery week was probably a good one. Um, let's see, race week, tune-up week. So the third week prior to the event, uh, would be a really good one to just lay low that week um, before the race week um, you're looking at fine-tuning some intensity you don't really need that much volume maybe one big volume day and then week of you don't want to ride big at all intensity is fine but um, you want to let all of the work that you've been doing which is tearing the body down, tearing, you know, you're asking your body to do more. And so it needs to figure out a way to do it. And the, the time that you get better, the time that you get faster, the time that you get stronger is when you rest. Yeah. Because when your body has extra energy and it can make all those adaptations and make all those changes. And, and so, you know, you want to time it right. There's some people who, They've got decades of training in their legs and they know, like they know what they feel like coming into a race day. And, and there are some people who can like take it right up to the line. Uh, but that's a huge amount of experience and, and background and consistency year after year. Um, if I can chime in again, as a, a coached athlete, I remember preparing for big races and and longer days that it was always like, be patient with your resting. Mm 
<laughs> yeah. And if you, so I, Stuart, you described like, but so-and-so is doing this. And mm-hmm. what about this big ride? And how many weeks out do I need to do 250 miles in order to be ready for 200 miles? It's like, don't get Strava syndrome. That's what I call it. Yeah. Don't look, there's like, this is the non-coach advice. Don't look at Strava and assume because you get overwhelmed and you feel like everyone's doing so much and I only have yeah. time for this or this. Like, let it go. Know what's right for you, your schedule, and your timing. But I think Dave makes a good point. Like maybe three weeks out that three weeks that's out just weekend. Something good in general. Yeah. Is it is your last big ride? And how how many hours would you say? Like mileage doesn't even count. How many hours would you say three weeks out before your rest week? I think a big ride, like your your last big ride, you're looking at seven seven ish hours. Um, you're, you've kind of pushed your yourself past that limit of um, what your normal digestion feels like, what your normal mm-hmm. fatigue feels like. You know, five 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 hour rides, five and a half hour rides. Those are big big rides. Yeah. And yeah. when you take it just a little bit further than that, you start to see the breakdown, right? You yeah. start to see that that mix that was always dialed for you, all of a sudden your stomach's bugging. Yeah. Um, you can't even think about looking at another gel or, um, or a chew pack. And you're thinking about, like the only thing you can think about is the hamburger you're gonna eat later. And so, you know, <laughs> you, you, you kind of shift into that mode of, whoa, I've been out here for a long time. And, and that, so you can kind of see and and anticipate what's going to feel good on the race day. You know, it, it doesn't hurt to try and hit the amount of time a couple times throughout the season as you prepare, but allocating for a nine, 10, 11 hour ride is pretty challenging for most people, even yeah. even like 100% dedicated people to the sport. That's not an easy. That's not an easy one to pull off. And so you mean we, not everybody can just take off for 10, 11 hours and leave their family or their kid at home and things. Like, just wake up. Just wake up at 3 a.m. You wake up at four. Easy. Yeah, this, yeah. This, this, we all get paid for that. Right? <laughs> so uh, you know, you want to get that chance to really go over the top. And so if seven hours doesn't quite do it, I bet you eight, eight and a half would. And, and so, you know, you want to figure out how you can make that happen. Um, and, and plan it out because, uh, you know, one of the, one of the big things that I see go wrong for people in training is they're like, um, I need to get myself used to uh, not not taking in enough calories or I need to get myself used to going extra hard. And, and it's like, well, you do all that back in like April, May as you're kind of structuring <laughs> things. But the key way to get high quality out of your training is to fuel it properly, is to plan it properly. Um, you know, you can go out for a two hour ride. And if you screw it up on hydration and nutrition, you know, uh, best case scenario is you've, you've left some lots on the table. 
Um, you do that on a six to eight hour training day and you're, you're calling for a ride home or you're right. just like death marching well, and getting, and getting zero quality out of your training. In sport nutrition, it's anything three hours plus. Mm-hmm. If you, whether it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah. nine, but yeah. once you hit the three hour mark, you can't really get away with not having done proper fueling yeah. in the first two. And yeah. And so the best case scenario is you're, you're like leaving some lots on the table. Worst case is you've completely ruined your special eight hour ride. And then you have to take <laughs> four days off. <laughs> and, and, or, or you keep trying to push through it and you get sick. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, having that plan, whether a coach writes the plan for you, or whether you take the time to go back and look at your training logs and be like, oh, that didn't work out so well. I didn't put enough volume in or I didn't put enough intensity in. Um, and, and you lay things out all the way down to how you lay out your individual training week and then how you plan out your individual training days. And, and it's not just like, I'm going to do eight by eight minute tempo on a climb. It's, uh, you know, what time am I going to do that? How am I going to fuel myself beforehand? Um, you know, do I have light to do a good job? Um, and, and then how do I change that up? Um, do I have the right food and drink with me? And, you know, you're planning it out and then you're, you know, I always go to the point of, I want to do a huge ride where, before I even start, where am I going to stop and refill my bottles? And then it gives me a target to finish those bottles by the time I get to that point. Nice. So that I'm, you know, and so I always think, how do I structure my route around what my training is? And some folks are destination rides mm. people and they, they, they have to have a destination. Um, one of my best like executors of workouts, um, he raced pro for a number of years and I would take my ride up immigration and he would be up there doing, he would figure out how long does it take me for 10 minutes of sub threshold, um, to get to the top of immigration. And so he would figure out like he'd do his first one where he thought it would be. And then he would either shorten it or make it longer. And he would do 10, 10 minute repeats. And he didn't need that destination of a ride. He was so focused on his training that he wanted it to be like super dial. Um, And so, you know, you can plan stuff out even at that. But even if you're on a destination, you can plan your route to match up with how your training should look. So smart. And so the big thing is, is planning all the way from the gigantic architecture of a full season to like, I need to do my base building. I need to do my um, endurance strength work. I need to do my tempo building. I need to do my threshold build. I need to do my higher intensity with like VO2 and anaerobic. And even if we're not racer types uh, or we have an event like 
a 200 mile event, you've got to go pretty dang steady. But then if you're going for the win, you need to somehow be able to try to sprint. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't mean you should just do like endurance tempo and sprinting work. You need to do, you need to activate all the energy systems in your training because they all contribute um, to a big effort. Let me just say a coaching is helpful in that way because if you don't if a lot of what if dave's saying you're like well i don't know how to structure (laughs) tempo over like how long is it build all this stuff so i first want to say that's our like a nice little plug call us we'll put it together for you but (laughs) but we are specifically for this conversation only a month out so this the is plan, yeah, Dave's talking long term. Yep. Just want to emphasize that yeah. your base fitness is where it's at. You can do a little fine tuning over the next few weeks, but you're not going to become a better cyclist. Or on, in my case, if it's like I need to lose ten pounds by September, it's like, well, you can't starve yourself and train properly. So let's let's be realistic mm-hmm. on where you're at now and what your realistic goals are for event day. Yeah. And when you, when you think about like where we're at on the calendar, I mean, the hay is almost all in the barn at this point. It it is almost all there. And the one thing that you can do in the next month is ruin all Mm. of your preparation um, by, by going too hard, too long. You know, you've got to give yourself the right amount of rest in between hard workouts. And then like we talked about that third week out, probably an active recovery week. And then that last bit of fine tuning with a long ride and then keeping your legs rolling and burning up some of the anxious energy leading up to race day. (laughs) I call that caged. I call that cage tiger syndrome. No, that's great. I like that. And rest is sometimes harder than work. You have to eat it. We call it active recovery for a reason. Like you have to consciously take it easy. And as hard as it is, then you get on your bike and go to do even a five minute tempo push. And you're like, I'm flying. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of magic when you when you let those adaptations happen, um, and you're at that point of coming into a peak. And I know a lot of people try to peak for for this. If it's even if it's uh, not your only event of the year, you kind of have to peak for it if you don't want to like right. suffer severely. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to eat pickles in Afton half a pizza <laughs> some people can do it i wouldn't i've seen it some people can do I've it i've seen it too <laughs> well brianne there is one i mean uh, dave brought up an interesting point which is i get to that seven and a half hour you know point and i'm like okay i am beginning to feel the things that are like this is not normal and a lot of the guys that i ride with they kind of get to that point and they're like well i i can't I can't eat because I'm sick to my stomach. Sure. Um, Drinking is like, okay, well, I'm going to just switch all my calories to drinking. And now you're talking about like three full, like 300 calories, 
you know, per bottle, right. which is like adding to the globule in your, and it just is like this downward spiral after that six hour mark where you're just holding on and like, you're sick. Um, talk about that. Where does that start? How does it end? Any, any advice? <laughs> so I kind of tapped on it earlier. And the biggest thing with endurance sport is that we need to keep in mind that what happens on our six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all has to do with what we do in hours two and three. Hmm. So starting early, if you go into into the event, well fueled, you know, good dinner the night before, glycogen stores topped off, have a good breakfast, drink some beet juice and a bottle of mix with your breakfast. You know, you're ready to go at the start line. That first hour, you can be fine. Um, you do want to take in hydration. I know it's cold and dark and we're not stimulated to drink. And there's 45,000 people to navigate through. Right. Most of us realistically don't reach down for our water bottles much. You can get away with that. If you go in hydrated, I know there's lots of things like caffeine. I don't want to have to pee, and also, but it's small things that are going to, I would so much rather have to pull over and take a quick Porto stop then have hours six and seven go five miles an hour slower because I'm hosed, right? So think about things like that where it's so much better to stay on top of things and feel good throughout than to, we're going to let Dave go and (laughs) baby woke up. We had, we had our hour. We knew it. (laughs) Um, But he gave most of his, his spill anyway. So, um, Maybe we'll even get a celebrity appearance. Um, yes. <laughs> so um, to get back to what I was first saying, stay on top of your hydration. And I love that you brought up loading your bottles with calories. I am a big, a big um, fan, for lack of a better word, of your hydration and the calories being in your bottles. But I'm not a big fan of all of it when we're doing over five hours. Mm-hmm. but the big thing is find the mix that works for you. If you yes. haven't figured it out, figure it out over the next few weeks, use yeah. a couple of big rides and practice. The rule of thumb is one to two bottles per hour being of mix, ideally two bottles an hour, but at least one of them being of mix. Your electrolyte to calorie load is very, very important. Um, you may know, if you follow Plan 7 at all, we um, we use First Endurance. I'm not plugging this as a sales pitch or anything else. Research-wise is one of the best products on the market because the electrolyte to calorie load is spot on with what our hourly needs are. So as simply as one bottle of EFS per hour you can stay on top of at least your electrolytes and your liquid calorie needs. Um, But that's a minimum. You can do two because it's 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate in your liquid per hour. 30 grams would be one bottle. And most drinks are actually scratch Osmo, um, except for the ones that are marketed as high calorie drinks, um, like the three, three, three. Yeah. Most are, around 100 to 120 calories in a full serving. Um, And the reason that their ratios are the way that they are, 
I, I know I get a lot of questions about like, well, if I only do two scoops in two bottles, and so I I can go on and on about different rationale and I understand a lot of it, but trust the science that we want it dilute in the way that it says on the container. Yeah. Because it's in the right ratio to match our bloodstream. What we want is to be intaking our liquid that matches our electrolyte load. If you're a salty sweater and you know that you are, you're probably a two bottles of mix per hour person. Yeah. Um, if you get sick of mix, do a bottle of mix, a bottle of water, and make sure that you also have gels, chews, or other electrolytes in your pockets and try to go through minimum when you're doing a pl five plus hour, I have to say it properly, anything over three hours especially five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours. You have to take in minimum of 60 grams per hour. That first hour, you can get away with what you have in storage, but if you're not on top of it from hour two and onward, that's when hour five and six suck. It. Okay. And it's really just discipline and practice and doing it over and over. And I promise you, you'll feel better just with those simple yeah. rules. So go out and try it. Um, never well, it's even something new it, on race day. It's even like practice. I hate to say it's practice, but like it's totally we've all done. We've all done it at hour five, where you're like, "What is happening? Why? Why are things going so poorly right now?" And then it's like next time you're like, "Okay, well that happened because I was trying to dump fuel on a fire at hour five when it should have been happening on hour two. And if you really want to think, I mean it takes a good 30 minutes for something to get through when you ingest it, especially with hydration, your kidneys are trying to filter, right? Yes. Kidneys, kidneys are working to try and take your liquid, but then it filters and makes urine. But if you're sweating all of your liquid, your kidneys are super confused. And so you have to keep putting those electrolytes with water in and through. If there's too much sugar and not enough electrolyte, those super high calorie bottles, you're getting more, like you said, globules, but that's a great way to think about it. You're putting more solute than you have of solvent mm, through your system, right? If you just think basic chemistry, it's like, if it would, if it would, um, make right. sediment at the bottom of your bottle, think of that as how your blood and then into your kidney system. And so then when your kidneys are out of whack, sending messages to your brain to resorb water from your colon, that's right. where gut upset comes from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that's where most of our water is, is in our colon. And so if our body is like, my kidneys don't have enough water to take on all of this solute, I'm going to pull from other things and I'll pull, I'm giving Dang, your body and cool. your cells a personality. I'm going to pull water from your muscle tissue, your liver tissue, wherever I can get water to get into my kidneys so that I can keep homeostasis. And so if that helps, like, don't even think calories and carbs, just like keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> you have to maintain that homeostasis within your body. Otherwise it's going to shunt to other systems. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get brain fog, leg cramps, digestive right. issues, all those things start to come up. And so when you're on it from hour one, you're much more likely to stay strong, quick, and feel good throughout. That is so cool. Uh, two weeks ago at that Mirror Lake Highway race, mm -hmm. um, 
I got to Evanston and when I got off, I was like, Oh my back, it hurts. My back is, it wasn't not my back. It was my kidneys. They were like, really? So yes, because the climb was really sweaty mm-hmm. as for, and then when yeah, we I were heard coming, it was hot and tailwind, which are the biggest, biggest components of liquidation. <laughs> and, and like, I wasn't tired. I mean, it was, but it was this weird combination of like, um, my back never hurts when I ride. Why is my back? And then after uh-huh. the race, one of my good friends was like, dude, my kidneys are sore. And I was like, is that a thing? Does that happen? And then I was like, that, I guarantee that's what happened. <laughs> so, um, and it probably took well, you like two, three days to it did. get right again. Mm-hmm. They were sore. And yes, a hundred percent. Yep. Um, but luckily the human body is super resilient and we'll figure it out, but you don't want it to be trying to figure it out while you're performing. No. no. Um, one of the things that did come up this morning when, when we were riding is, um, I've got, I've got a guy we ride with who is constantly arguing that he will forego processed calories as long as he can at low So he's like, I'm eating real food, um, instead of the jellies gels and, and the goos and the things is that just personal preference or is there science behind that so both would be the okay. short answer um i've i've heard both where mm-hmm. it, i'm going to eat real food until i can only get down gels and chews mm-hmm. because they're easy to digest or the other way around i'll only take in sport food until I can't anymore. And then I'm grabbing a Snickers bar or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Got it. <laughs> so is, is sciencey or not my recommendation, not so that it's not a 20 minute conversation, but just to kind of get right to it, <laughs> have a little of both. I call it security snacks. Okay. Keep gels. Like again, practice, but when you've got a musette to pick from or you pull over and your family's got a cooler for you, whatever, have options. And okay. if you're craving salt and fat, that's when you grab your potato chips. Take it. Yeah. If you're craving hydration, like that's when you're eating some bites of watermelon. Um, and so think about what you're craving and why, but have then in your pantry of your pockets, different options so that while you're riding, it's, do I want to take in a couple of blocks? Cause you're, I mean, You've got to be taking in something, make a goal of every 20 minutes so that you actually have something every 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm serious. Like two, okay. to three, two to three times an hour, you should be intaking something. Um, and this is on top of your hydration. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I usually say if I'm going to eat something, I follow it with water. And if I'm just taking a drink of mix, I'm okay to not eat. And I just kind of alternate, but rather than be so black or white on I'll only do this until I feel like crap. And then like, how about let's not get to the point of feeling like crap and, and be realistic. Like, I think, you know what I should do is get, I'll send you some of you that have either listened to me or seen me for nutrition. This is like my go-to snack, but I swear it is the magic sauce. I call it banana sushi. I can send it to you and you can send it okay. out to the team um, and you could do it in your own way, but just the, the idea short, sure, you can go to the scratch labs book and make rice balls and do all the fancy stuff. That's wonderful. 
But I say as simple as get a tortilla or a piece of bread, or if you're gluten-free, whatever carb, flatten it out, put a thin spread of whatever fat sounds good to you. Peanut butter, Nutella, avocado, doesn't matter. Just some sort of fat, a banana in the middle, roll it up and then cut it into chunks, put it in a zippy and then have bites of it here and there. So I'll be like, Ooh, I want to bite of my, my banana snack. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, Ooh, I want a couple cheese. Like have fun with it. And then your body can process the more solid food that has fiber and a little fat and protein that take longer to break down. But then the next time you're ingesting, you're getting something that just dissolves in your mouth and gives you immediate energy and then you're hungry again. So you want to have something more satiating and then it's not like, Oh shoot, I'm in, I don't know what Afton. And now I need a piece of pizza because I didn't eat nearly enough the whole time. And this is the only way I'm going to survive. Then you're going to go slow (laughs) all the way to Jackson and whoops. Yeah. Or you have a cast iron stomach and you eat and fuel well, and you still have a piece of pizza in Afton. I would puke personally, but I have slow digestion. I know that about myself. I don't break things down fast. So I do a lot of liquid and a lot of quick, easy stuff. I like bananas because it's like, it's real food, but it's gushy. Well, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, which is last year I decided, even if I'm going on a two hour ride, a two and a half hour ride. I treated the ride with the same food and same nutrition as I would. Like, I know I can get by in a two hour ride. Like, oh, that's great. But I wouldn't do it. Bring her on. Come on. I want to see her. <laughs> Daddy, the baby whisperer, actually, she felt. Oh, she felt. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, arms. boy. If you're tuning in by video, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> I'm very envious. That is so special. <laughs> I wish I was rocking a baby child. Oh, that's awesome. I'm very good. Um, this is so good. We did. We did good. This was been. This has been excellent. Is there anything else that you had thought of that you wanted to talk about um, before um, we wrap up? On, I've talked on the my major things, which are always. I, I I say this to everyone that I work with, and and just know. Even if you don't want to do a full-blown nutrition plan or coaching, I've done this for many people. Give me a call and we can do a consult and help you plan your feed zones. I'll talk to you about what works for you, what doesn't, the type of person you are, your body size. So we can really dial in how many carbs you need per hour, how many bottles, stuff like that. And you can plan it from each feed zone. And even your day before food and stuff. I, I do that with quite a few people. And so. I would do that. I mean, if you're listening, do it now so you can practice. And that is so cool. Thank you. Yeah, so Very I'm happy, good. I'm happy to speak to anyone on that. But I guess the takeaways on both, I'll just recap for Dave. Um, the big takeaways are you're not going to gain fitness nor lose a bunch of weight in these last few weeks. Your mm-hmm. goal is to fine tune and really establish a plan. You can have a couple big rides and your in-between stuff is short and, and intentional. Have that recovery week. And like Dave was saying, if you don't have a specific plan that you're working off of in those few weeks before, sure, mix it up and go through a few different types of workouts on literally 90 minutes 
go out and, and practice some sprints or just like go up immigration and, and push it after the switchback and practice some things like that, but you don't need to go out and do stuff that's base building type work. The, right. the long rides are for you to execute your plan and then um, recover well. We always say work hard, recover harder. On the nutrition side, it's very similar. Practice before, um, try not to restrict calories to the point of weight loss because significant weight loss in the last few weeks is detrimental to your muscular use. All the work that you've done to build to this point, if you go into too much of a calorie deficit to just shed those last few pounds, you're probably going to end up just needing to eat a bunch more the week of, and it's all going to normalize out <laughs> anyway. So the best thing to do is eat clean. If you, if you drink that, um, the, I think the biggest thing is cut that off, um, in the last bit, cause those are the types of calories that we don't need. Um, but just think of eating clean, balanced, lots of color, get as much nutrition from your food as possible and fuel your rides properly get a recovery shake or food in within 20 minutes of finishing every one of your rides. It's seriously just top off your stores and just think I'm a machine, fuel it right. And you'll ride much more like a machine. I love that. I am a machine. Yeah. Fuel me like a robot. I'm a robot. I'm riding like a robot. <laughs> There's emotion behind food and performance and Strava and all the things, but really, it's, it's, it's numbers, right? Yeah. Whereas we have to find what's right for you so that you can be a wealthy machine. Absolutely. Nice. Very good. Hey, so, um, if you didn't know, Oh, go ahead. Oh, Dave has one more. One other thing that I would throw in is you, you also are riding a machine and this machine requires you to maintain it, keep it clean. Um, and so, uh, we want to, like, we're coming up on four weeks out and yeah, uh, bike parts are not easy to come by right now. No, not even tires. <laughs> it's, it gets challenging. And so, you know, a, a key factor to having your day end is not having, uh, not having tires in good shape. Um, if you're running tubeless, you want to um, maybe pop the tire off and double check the inside, double check your tubeless tape, um, add fresh sealant. Um, it's a great time to check your chain now yeah. because in four weeks of big mile, and if you've been doing big mile training, you're going, you should be going through multiple chains per season. And if you're not, you're, um, you're wearing out your drivetrain. And so if you put a new chain on it a couple days before, <laughs> it's not going to work yeah, don't do because, that. because your cassette and your chain rings are, they're used to a stretched out chain. And so you will have all kinds of drivetrain problems. Um, you know, if you're not mechanically inclined, getting into a bike shop now so that you know there's there's some a little bit of leeway it i mean i know even chains are hard to find they are um and so the more time that you give yourself 
the more time that you can make something happen. Yeah, because you can do everything right with your training and nutrition and be on the side of the road and then it doesn't matter. It's true. It's just so true. <laughs> I know. Point, Dave, so I'm glad well, you brought that up. You know, I stuff like this happens all the time and people relate like I had the worst race ever. And I'm like, okay. Like, for example, me. Uh, <laughs> I I like there's a bunch of events that I like to do and the ones that I do best at are not super extended climbs. Um, so I had an amazing race in Fruta. There was a 125 mile gravel race and it gained like 6,500 feet over 125 miles. Awesome. It was moderately technical. And so again, awesome. And I had a little bit of a biomechanical at one point, but I still came out in a great spot at the finish and was really satisfied with my effort overall. Um, I went and did Crusher and pretty much, even if I have a really good time at Crusher, as far as like the finishing time, um, I'll still say that I had a terrible race. <laughs> and, but, I was looking super duper forward to Belgian waffle ride in San Diego, which was the week after Crusher. And so I suffered through Crusher thinking, all right, I'm, I'm putting in my final bit of heat training. I'm putting in my true level of mental suffering, <laughs> making my body suffer a ton. I'm totally ready. And so I had the bike just perfection. Like everything was dialed. Uh, race starts, there's like 3000 people starting at once, all of the super duper fast gravel pros and top mountain bike pros and former world tour riders are in the front five rows and the rest of us are back aways. And I was like, this race is going to go crazy right from the start. Spent five minutes sprinting my brains out end up in the front peloton of 200 which is bigger than a tour de france peloton yeah and we're splitting off and and i look down at the power and i'm like i can't believe i'm in the draft and i can't believe what i'm having to do just to yeah. be in the pack we so you go 11 miles to hit single track it's horrible technical no it's a it's a blast <laughs> it's so much fun and so you're duking it out i mean it's amazing to get the best position to, and it single is single track. track with a six inch curb and a hard 90 degree turn and then immediately uphill under so it's an 11 mile race to this point so it and one of my pro cyclocross clients is teammates with Keegan Swenson at Tobin Ortonblad, and their goal was to put Keegan onto the single track first, which it it was Alex Howes, Keegan, and Tobin who went onto the single track first. So they did their job. They made me bleed out my eyeballs. Um, and so I still am in a great position. You know, you it just funnels in and you're like walking for a minute to get onto the single track when you're in that big of a group make it like 20 miles still in a great position and and i'm thinking i need to be in a little bit better position and so i was 
just letting it stay wide open on some of the descents. Tagged a rock, tore my sidewall, unrepaired. Oh. And I'm 22 miles in. And there's 100 and 113 miles left. Oh. And so I try a, I try a plug. Um, I, it would have been worthless to put a tube in it because it would just go through the tear. And so I rode it flat to the aid station like three miles later, knowing that there was a Velo fix. And I was still in race brain mode. Like you can, you can get going again. So after 45 minutes of not racing, I got back on and started going again, but it was way too late. So all of that preparation, like I could, I could be like, well, I had the worst race ever and be down about racing. I just had bad luck and I don't anticipate ever stopping racing. And so I could be super bummed out about it and frustrated which I always allow myself a gap of time to be bummed and frustrated. And then I'm like, okay, next event, next fun thing that I want to do. And, and so it's really easy to, you know, go up to Lodija and it's unseasonably cold or it's unseasonably hot and you have three flats and you miss your, you miss your PR time by 20 minutes right and that could feel like the worst race ever but it wasn't your fitness your Mm. your fitness was there if you had that much of a struggle and you still were super close to your pr and you know some folks i hear people like i wasted my whole season and it's like Mm. well you've got awesome fitness why not bank like continue to take out withdrawals right and and this year we're lucky enough that there's a huge amount of events that have got stacked up into the fall because of last year and there's also all of the things that you can do next year and so if you if you put the bike in the garage after loadage is over and and you let your fitness go you've lost you're going to lose all those gains if you stay with a plan and and think, okay, what's coming up next year? Like I've spent all of this time training and preparing. You need to stay on it. Also, don't we just love riding bikes? Yeah. That's kind of why we all do this in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. I hope so. And so so you want to like, obviously you're probably going to need some time off after a big event like that, especially if it was your peak event, but you don't want to let it go too long because you want to be able to, take those, take those gains and add to them. I always relate training to walking up the stairs, right? Um, we do a couple weeks of hard work. We're up a couple stairs. We take an active recovery week and it feels like, oh man, I'm not making any gains, but we're not taking two steps back. We're not even taking one full step back. And then we add another two or three weeks of mm-hmm. solid training and then an active recovery week. So now we're, we've gone up seven steps, but we're at five from where we were, right? And so it, it's just that escalating um, build and year after year, it makes a difference. And I it, love that. it keeps on adding. 
and you keep reaping the benefits. If you look back at um, like how Team Sky had their riders train, um, they never really turned off that much. Mm-hmm. Like in the winter, they would have like kind of the end of the season break, but they wanted to keep those guys fine tuned and pretty close to race fitness all the time. And you don't want to detune yourself. You know, you don't want to turn it. You want to give yourself enough time to mentally recover from a whole bunch of training to mentally recover from events or your special thing that you wanted to accomplish with your training, but then you want to get back at it. And, and as soon as you let it drop off, it's going to go away. You're not going to lose everything, but it's going to, you're going to have to take those steps to get it back. Yeah. That's great perspective. I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) Patience and, and planning, I think are, uh, you know, like I said, big architecture of a full season, the sub parts of the season, as you do your preparations, the each week, and then each training session. And if you do that, it becomes so much easier um, to not be anxious about about training because you have a plan and you know where you're going and you don't don't make compromises, so. Um, You guys are very, this is very good. We should maybe talk daily if that would help my. Um, you talk to your coach daily. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we wrap, and maybe we could save it for another time, Dave, but I would love to hear more about your heart. If that's something that you wanted to get into, is that take too long? Should we save that for another time? Or is that, um, it, it does like, if we want to talk about it in, in good depth, um, yeah. where, where it could help give perspective to, to somebody who might be having issues. I think it's super important. Um, I think if you feel like your heart's doing weird things or there's something weird with lungs, you shouldn't hesitate. Because when I was finally diagnosed with AFib, I I was wearing a a monitor that I was supposed to wear for 30 days. And I had it for like 10 and they were like, yep, we've seen all we need to see. You have pretty severe AFib. But when I realized that, that the symptoms I was feeling, like how it feels to have AFib, I can remember episodes from a decade prior. Mm. And I was making it worse every single time. And so, you know, back then I was racing a ridiculous amount per season. And so, of course, you're going to have a bad day, right? Yeah. And, and I thought, hmm, yeah, when my power drops off and I feel like I'm a, on a 13, on a one to 10 scale, um, and I'm like in mud, uh, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a bad day like that here and there. But I was actually having AFib and it was building more scar tissue. And so fortunately, when we did diagnose it, um, I was at a pretty high percentage of like, there's a certain point where they just won't do the procedure because it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to help. 
And so fortunately I was at a good point that they felt like it could be successful. And it's four and a half years yesterday or two days ago. Um, and it's been pretty solid. The biomechanical that I mentioned at the race in Fruta caught my attention. And so I've actually, I had a cardiology appointment today um, and we're, we're gonna, we've done blood tests and everything looks good. Um, I'm wearing a, a monitor again right now. Um, and they're going to do a echocardiogram next week to just look at the structure of my heart. Hmm. So, um, I think it, it wasn't like a recurring episode, but it was enough to make me be like, Hmm, I should, I, I don't want to mess around with this. Yeah. And so if you have some weird health things going on, it's not like, a. I mean, it's not like a sign, like you're backing off or, you know, you're, wussing out or whatever like the we're a machine and the parts have to work right for us to be able to pedal down the road and so it, it's a big deal but it would be cool to um, go into a lot more yeah. detail and and kind of um, you know you can put it out to the team and ask if they have questions or specific um, things that they wonder about and um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I can give my experience of like being smart about addressing issues. Okay. I think it's worth it. I mean, I've been with enough guys on the team who I know that it is an issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's do yeah. it. And whether it's, whether it's atrial fibrillation or any Ta type or of cardio, any cardiovascular problem, but there's also plenty of things we could really open up into some stuff even has nutritional intervention but um yeah. it'd be probably pretty fun yeah it could be really interesting nice okay that's it we already got a plan perfect yeah. great hey as we as we wrap up um i did want to mention one of those events that brianne and i are uh and plan seven are part of which is the 5k and bike challenge september 25th all I'm really asking, if you're from Mijuele or whoever is listening, we just want you to participate. Beyond that, if you want to give from your business or whatever, that's fine. Signing up, pay the registration fee, and that money uh, goes towards um, multiple different charities that help child abuse victims here in the Salt Lake Valley and around the state, um, which is a huge deal for us and a huge deal for the race organizer. Uh, event organizer as he works hand in hand with those organizations and has seen it firsthand. So it hits close to home. Um, there's a, a, I don't remember the percentage, Brianne, but it is high. It's like one in six children in this state are uh, suffer from some sort of uh, child abuse. Um, and these charities, these groups um, are, are combating all sides of that um, from my understanding. So sign up. Any other, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I just, well said, I just think it's really cool that it's not just a pigeonhole, all your money goes here. It is, the goal is to put an end to child abuse. And I think Greg makes a good point. That's the organizer that when we address a situation that is very prevalent and is hard to talk about, but there are organizations out there that like 
unfortunately, child abuse leads to a lot of other things that also have organizations that help. Or the goal of this organization is to nip it early and get kids right. into safe places and fix yeah. the situation. So, um, like I said, it's close to the heart for many. And even if it's not, what a cool cause. And right. like we talked about, you can use your fitness that you've gained yeah. all season. It's beautiful. If you've ever had the goal of riding all five canyons in one day, this is fully supported. It's super cool. You don't have to race it. You just ride it. And if you get yeah, two canyons in, it, huh? you can. There's Strava stuff. But if you get two canyons oh, I pl- in. I plan on winning. So whatever there is to win. Yeah, I, I love winning Fondos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best. Winning Fondos. <laughs> we used to say that on our team. Like, we're going to go and win that Fondo. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to use pace lines. We're going to get after that Fondo and win. Um, no, but it's a great day. There's a big festival the day before and good food and stuff the whole time um and if you want i'm doing a couple it could even be good logan and jackson prep uh my my climbing series you guys are like already done with your ride at 6 a.m when i start i'm always seeing me dwell like people coming down the canyon still waking up the sun's not out i don't understand you guys but if anyone likes 6 a.m late rollout um this won't air before tomorrow's Mill Creek, but the next, the last two weeks of August are Big Cottonwood and Little Cottonwood. So if those are demons of yours, I like to say I'm pretty good at climbing hills and I have some tips and I'll give you some guidance and you can pick my brain as we ride up strenuous mountains. So and that's Thursday morning, 6 a.m. at Three Cups and Holiday. That's where they meet. Yep. Okay. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. This is always, great. always yeah, fun chat. It. And look at that. If you're watching such a special little person, she's so sweet. Oh, thank you. She's just waking up. She's awake. Oh, there's a groggy bee. Bee, can you say hi? Hi, bee. (laughs) I remember you when I was on my bike the other day. Yeah, can you give him high fives? High fives. Yeah. There you go. Have fun on your bike ride, bee. Yeah. Okay. 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 You're awesome. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, see ya. Bye-bye.